Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And we're back to bring you guys some more outdoor stuff. And kind of, we are now, what is today, June 12th when this is, yeah. when we're recording this. So yep. we are officially like 10 days away from, away from summer. Yeah. Into summer. Into summer. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's already as really kind of as hot as it's going to be in summer. We had a couple 90 degree days here within the mm-hmm. past couple of weeks, but um it's cooled down now a little bit thank god yeah so we uh we're kind of talking today about stuff that we are moving into with the summer and things like that things that we've got um upcoming actually with this weekend this we're recording this on a friday and chris you're headed to Pipestem, west virginia to shoot in the first leg of the ibo triple crown which is our national championship i'll be joining uh, my boy Luke Lacey, and uh, I think our buddy Aaron Satterfield is actually going to tag along and film everything for us. So uh, looking forward to that. We've got um, – we're shooting in the advanced hunter class from the Red Stake, which is uh, roughly 40-yard max. Um, and we have a team event as well. Uh, our other two teammates, Jim Ryman and Stephen Hilburn Jr., so we're really looking forward to some plaques and then hopefully at the end of the summer, uh, a buckle. We've got three of these shoots mm-hmm. and uh, I, I really, last year we won the national championship as a team and Luke won it individually in the hunter class. So I'm really looking forward to uh, chasing another buckle. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. So while you're heading, this is weird to say, heading east to West Virginia. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm heading south uh, to Lake Cumberland for yeah. a day of fishing and getting up early, early, early uh, to hopefully catch some just massive stripers. That'd be amazing. And uh, bass fishing is supposed to be awesome down there right now. I finally got the lake down to I guess close to summer pool. It hasn't rained down there all week, which means Ugh. that yeah. <laughs> You're going to have some clear water. Clear water. Oh. No, none of that muddy garbage that was coming in from the upper end of the lake. Yeah. And, uh, man, I mean, Wolf, the TVA schedule says it all. They're only releasing 20 CFS at some points during the day. Is that down pretty low and in. slow? That's, that's super low. That, that's like um, like mountain stream even a little bit. But uh, we, we'll, we'll talk about mountain streams later, actually, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this is it, – it's nice – reservoir it's going to be 55 degrees in the morning and get to a high of 78 which is going to be just like absolute perfect weather so hopefully we beat out all the uh recreational boaters yeah um yeah i think that and i think uh if you guys can be super sneaky i know a lot of fishermen love those clear conditions but man those clear conditions can screw you too yeah yeah so uh long casts (laughs) Very long cast. Away from points. Get the hell away from the boat. Um, And if not, uh, you know, seriously throwing down some, you know, jigs off off some long points. But we'll we'll get a little bit more into into that uh, after a bit. So one of the things that we have really yet to talk to, um, and it's in our, you know, intro of what we are about, is archery. Yeah. Um, And purposefully... 
you know, selfishly a little bit, yeah, I don't shoot archery, so I don't uh, tend to talk about it that whole a whole lot. But um, it's like your thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is which is awesome. So you I guys think heard that I own archery. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the both of us, you do at least. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of wanted to sit down today and talk a little bit about this and archery in general. Like I shoot a bow. I, you know, I don't shoot competitively when someone says um, I gauged it at this or I ringed it at that. Like I'm like, oh, cool. I have no idea what the hell you're talking right. about most of the time. <laughs> like archery to me is going out to my backyard and with my little target and then making sure I can hit it and like, okay, that'll kill a deer. Yep. Um, <laughs> did you get them all in the, in the little black balls? I right. could, you hit it, you get, you killed a deer, it, yeah. but there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, even if you don't want to shoot competitive, like IBO or what's the other, um, ASA, ASA, even if you don't want to shoot that stuff, I don't know if it's still open this year, but there's things like total archery challenge, yep. Um, the Reinhardt 100. The Reinhardt 100. And then there's some other competitive sides. You've got the OPA, and then I think it's like the IAA or something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more of a northern thing. And then there's actually uh, a sect of the IBO called the IBO Northeast as well. Mm -hmm. It's for all the poor, unfortunate people that are stuck in New Hampshire, New York, Vermont, Maine, all that. You know, it, it's just an 18 to 20 hour drive just isn't feasible, feasible for a 79 to $150 check. Exactly. That's not going to buy your gas. So, um, no, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, man, I, I got into archery into, excuse me. I got into competitive archery in 2018. I shot for a shop locally here. He expressed that he wanted me to compete, and I felt like I could do okay. I started to shoot up, which for those of you that are listening, um, this is kind of a running joke, but it's a term in archery. Uh, when you shoot up, that means you've shot above even. So if you're on a 30-target course, a 300 would be even or like par. Um, and then once you go above 300, that's shooting up. So if you're one up, you're 301. And so on and so forth. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like golf. It's uh. it's extremely <laughs> silly. I, I, I call it hillbilly golf because it's it's so similar to it. And just like shooting under par, which I, I'm going to say shooting under par is still harder than shooting up. Yeah. But that said, it's, it's still, you know, it's comparable. Um, so I started to shoot up in 2018, did okay or excuse me, 2017, and I was doing okay. And mm -hmm. uh, I traveled around and shot and was actually, I made the peer groups, which is the top 10 scores in the national championship. And I opted to not go to the third leg so that I would not get booted, not to mention I was going to be on vacation and would have had to fly from Florida to Pennsylvania to maybe finish like, Ugh. you know, eighth or something. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to overtake the guy. I was... I was nowhere. I would have had to have like four people die just to get me on a podium for the national championship. So I opted to not go there or the Worlds uh, so I wouldn't get booted. I invited Luke uh, 
to shoot with me mm -hmm. the following year, which was last year. And, um, you know, the rest is history. We, he took a national championship. Uh, we won a national championship as a team with our two other buddies, uh, Justin Burner and uh, Mark Lambert. And then um, I went on a little run at Worlds and finally got my head out of my ass and uh, I really squandered a lead. I, I had the lead by five points with like four targets to go and should I should be a world champion. But, uh, you know, that's why they make you shoot the rest of them. <laughs> so, so, so when you say like, I was up five points. So, I mean, t I mean, for like the lay person, like when when someone says that to me, I'm like, oh, so that means that you like hit five less targets, or are there's are there certain points on each target? So each target or is anything scored like that exactly the same. Only smaller targets will have smaller rings generally. Mm -hmm. So uh, your smallest ring is your X or your eleven ring. It's worth eleven points. So uh, or what you would call a birdie. In okay. Golf. So. Your 10 ring is your par ring. That's that's how you stay even. If you don't okay. come out of the 10 ring, you're at least going to stay even. And then you have your 8 ring, which is like a double bogey, and then your 5, mm -hmm. which is a bullet in your head. And <laughs> we won't talk about blanking. <laughs> don't want to do that shit, Yeah. Uh, especially when you're competing. So even 5s are so incredibly detrimental. So um, essentially what had happened is I started off on fire, and in the first six targets – I had one ten and five elevens. Oh boy! Uh, I believe Luke took two eights, and the other gentleman, Billy Chiro, took one eight. And I don't know that they were hitting tens and stuff, but they weren't having the X count that mm -hmm, I was. Mm -hmm. And for anybody listening, this is not bragging. This is just me telling the story. Um, so I was, I was, I started off one down from Billy uh -huh. and a couple up from Luke, and after the first target. I honestly, Luke was in the rearview mirror at that point. Yeah. I, I, he was, I was in a zone that only at that point in my life had I ever been, and uh, I was determined to shoot every single damn X on that course. Mm -hmm. And I hit the first five of the six, and I was just out on that, that other one. I think it was target five. Um, and then... They got me good. They put a uh, – so one. So this is all unknown yardage. So you're literally standing on a stake that you have to touch with some part of your body, and you are looking at a target with a bullseye that you can't see with your naked eye unless you're Luke. Hate him. <laughs> so um, can you use – are you allowed to use glassing stuff Yeah, Yeah, this? yeah. You glass okay. it. You can look, but once you pull them down, you're, you're looking and trying to – you're looking, oh, there's an arrow hole there. Okay, it's about this far from the middle of the X ring. Let's put a pin here and pray to God that it hits, you know, that I make a mm -hmm. good shot and that I'm right on the yardage as well. So, um, and do you, they, use, you use range finders? No, no. Oh, so this is, this is all like. You are not allowed to use a range finder and you cannot discuss yardage before. So, like, if you and I are competing, yeah. whether we're on the same team or different. I can't ask you what that shot, what you shot that for, until everybody's shot. So I've always wondered this then, because th that's never made sense to me. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, when I guys know what you're going to say. Well, when guys go out there, I'm like, I'm sitting there looking at it. I was like, well, they can use, I'm like, well, they're using range finders, right? And it's like, well, no, we're not. This is this is perfect sense. And like to me, this is honestly makes a lot more sense when you hear guys like John Dudley or Remy Warren. They're like, yeah, go shoot 3D. 
And I'm like, why? Like, why would I want to shoot 3D that badly? Well, because you have to guess the yardage, mm-hmm. and it's going to make you better at understanding yardage. I'm, I'm guessing in like open ground, in wooded situations, and all this different stuff. Dude, there's so many tricks to it. And to be clear, I'm fucking horrible at judging yardage. <laughs> like, I was getting ready to tell you the story. So the standing bear, he's called the Chevron Bear, General Bear, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, he's a brown bear standing up and there's two like chevron wrinkles in his chest and that x ring the 11 ring is literally in the point of, of the chevron of the, the bottom second, chevron the bottom chevron so they put him in a creek bed to where you could only see the upper half of him mm-hmm. and they put you you know so far back to where you can't really tell how far he is past the ledge I shot that uh, bear. I shot that bear for like twenty three yards, and I think they said they shot it for thirty one or thirty two. Mm-hmm. I am damn lucky that I took an eight. And the only way, you know, you were talking about guys advising you to shoot three D like Dudley and all that. Um, the only reason that I stayed in that eight ring the way I did is because I made a great shot. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't really associate a great shot with a shitty score, but I made an amazing shot. The release went off perfectly. I didn't drop my bow arm. I didn't torque the bow. Everything. Otherwise, stuff goes wrong. I mean, little things just add up yeah. super fast. And before you know it, you're a nickel. You know, you're a five. And then you just, I mean, that basically takes me from second place to not even on the podium. And, and last year, yeah. twice, uh, two other times I was separated. One single arrow. Mm-hmm. Kept me off the podium in the national champ in two different national championship shoots. Mm-hmm. So um, that and that's kind of where you know I took I took two eights later, and um, you know we came down to the last target, and uh, I'll never forget Billy and Luke kind of joking with me. I was the last to shoot, and if I hit the X, I'm a world champion. Mm-hmm. If I miss, you know, and and the whole time I'm thinking. As I'm watching them, I'm like, okay, how aggressive do we want to be? I'm pretty sure I, I could have been better with my course management. Yeah. I didn't know exactly how far down I was. I thought I was one down. Mm-hmm. But I never thought that I, I didn't take it as seriously and be as aggressive because I thought, well, even if I hit it, I'm not going to win. Yeah. And and so, um, you know, they kind of joked a little bit, and I just looked dead in their eye and then – drew my bow and uh my my goal was to aim just a scotch high Mm -hmm. just to make sure i'd be in that 10 ring as long as i made a good shot and uh because i didn't want to have what i was just explaining happen yeah last target and we go from second to to nothing (laughs) that guy all over again so um and literally the arrow hit right behind the pin had i just aimed at the damn x Mm -hmm. like i should have i'd have I think I had them by like six or seven X's or something. It, it was crazy. So, I mean, this is, it sounds more and more, it sounds a lot like golf just in the way it of is. like of, of, you know, the only, only thing that's working against you is, uh, you know, the thing in between your ears. Right? It, yes. <laughs> yes. It, it's so funny you say that because while there are what some would call like the perfect way, mm-hmm. there's ways that are, better to do things to be more consistent yeah it's amazing just like golf swings you see all kinds of different strategy and and there's a lot of people myself included they'll look at a guy and be like what the hell 
<laughs> you know, who is this person? And then before you know it, they just kicked your ass. Yeah. You know, because they're able to repeat it over and over again. So uh, it's it's really cool. And, you know, it's funny because when we talk about competitive archery, a lot of guys think that it's just a bunch of pompous assholes that think they're great with a bow and everything. And <laughs> it is it is not that. You do run into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's a bunch of people who do nothing but celebrate getting together with each other and helping each other um, get better, basically. I mean, my biggest competition is Luke. Well, yeah. And, I mean, he's everybody's. Yeah. To be clear with everyone, I'm not downing anybody (laughs) else. But Luke's pretty dang good. I mean, we're literally watching a pro develop before our eyes, so... Uh, and he helps me more than anybody else mm-hmm. ever has any shop I've shot for or anything. So, uh, and I, I mean, that translated to me beating him at world. So, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's where, you know, a lot of people see shooter shirts and stuff and they get intimidated and it's like, dude, I, I promise, you know, anybody you run into that's a dick probably isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably why. So, well, the re- reality being is, uh, it's, it's good to hear it's again, it's an outdoor community. And let, we, we've talked about this before, where you'll get people in the outdoor community uh, who will give people shit about shooting a crossbow oh, yeah. instead of a regular bow, uh, or you're not shooting, you're shooting a rifle instead of a bow, or right. you're doing, and it's like, you're going to have people like that in every walk of life, in everything. I've talked to you about this before off of a podcast, but I used to play competitive softball pretty regularly um, in tournaments and that kind of stuff, and that world is by far like one that I never want to be part of again um, just because of like all the drama and stuff that goes along with it. But, um, you know, same thing. You see people, you know, out there who really like enjoy it, though, and mm-hmm. want to be out there and helping other people learn it. So, I mean, I hope this weekend goes well for you guys because yeah, you. not only are you um, going to shoot bows, but – you're hopeful to get into some rainbow trout and smallmouth. I yes. believe that's what they release in there. I believe they stock rainbows. I don't know about browns mm-hmm. or brookies, but uh, any trout would be fun a tickler for me, <laughs> man. I'd be tickled to death. And then, uh, of course, there's probably smallmouth in there. Um, I mean, it's, God only, it's, it's a, river. a river in West Virginia. Yeah. There has to be smallmouth there. There, there could be like, freaking sturgeon for all we know (laughs) so uh yeah i think um we're gonna kind of watch the weather really close tonight and may and probably into tomorrow we'll at least shoot 20 tomorrow um you have the option generally to i was gonna say how do you do that groups of 10 okay um so it'd be like you know you're playing 18 holes of golf you could split that i mean i guess you can't really divide that by four but you know let's say you could divide it by three yeah um so you can do 10 10 and 10 a lot of times though they'll have a 20 target course Mm -hmm. and then two 10 target courses as well so we may end up shooting the 20 target course first Mm -hmm. and then see what the weather looks like and see if you know does it look like we're gonna have time sunday morning to get them in or is it going to rain? Because the thing is, is it's much better to shoot them all in one day and maybe get a little tired than deal with grip issues and water all over the place. and uh, Being hungover. You know, well, being hungover too, but we have the, uh, you know, Luke and I are very similar. He's way more disciplined than me, but mm-hmm. 
I'll say no to a beer in a heartbeat. I, I haven't had pop all week. Um, you, we don't, we don't worry about that. It's, it's more like the, the grip and then, um, you know, your, your release hand as well. And then the, the biggest thing for me, especially being on the sides of these mountains is footing. Once you get water right. pulling up and stuff and these little, on these benches and everything, it's a slop fest and they what? already play with your footing. A lot of people don't know this, mm-hmm. but they'll put you on the most uneven ground imaginable and, it's hard to stand mm-hmm. on dry ground. So you add a little slippery stuff in there. You're going to be slipping and sliding it's, all it's over the place. It's going to be difficult. Which, again, you know, one of the first things that they teach you when you shoot archery is, you know, make your feet right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if your feet aren't right, your bow isn't going to shoot right. Yep. Your grip ain't going to be right. Like, you start from the ground up. And that's an important part that you bring up about this is, is like, this is not a flat ground course. No. This is, this is not you're going out to your local archery <laughs> center. <laughs> you're going to be shooting little black bear targets. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're walking up and down hills. Yep. You're going through the woods. They're, they're trying to give you situations that you might see more in an Appalachian or a Western sense. Sure. Where you're going to be shooting downhills, uphills obstructed views that kind of stuff versus you know flat midwestern land like we're so used to in these areas i mean we're we're kind of in a unique area where we're all at because you start getting into foothills and that kind of stuff but i mean realistically it's it, it provides a completely different aspect to how you're going to perform there and the hydration thing is something else that i think a lot of people don't think about absolutely um if you're not properly hydrated, and I, I know I sound like probably like somebody's mom right now, like <laughs> drink your water, um, <laughs> but it's it's true. Like I'm, I'm going fishing tomorrow. First thing the guy I'm going fishing with said, he goes, "I'm packing a cooler full of waters." Good. I don't want to be stuck out on a boat in the middle of a lake, you know, in the blistering hot sun, thinking, "Oh, great, I'm going to be you know sweating to death, and then I'm going to get you know sick." At yeah. the end of this, and that's the last thing you want to do in any of these things. I joke about the um, the hangover thing because too many times uh, there's <laughs> there's like in these situations where you go into them and people don't think about that. They're like, oh, "I'll be fine the next day," and it's sure. you know they treat it like deer camp or a fishing trip, and it, it's not like if if you're going to do something like this, guys, like. You know, make sure you take it seriously. And if you're not going to take it seriously, know that and go have fun with it. Sure. Um, but there are people who are going to take it super seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that's a big, big part of it is just making sure that you're in a good spot with that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, the people who I look at that are generally successful at anything, especially when it comes to any kind of competing hunting, fishing, you name it. Uh, A lot of times when guys reach that sort of next level, they don't do that because they're super talented or whatever. They're trying to squeeze every ounce of performance out of themselves or their equipment. And once you do that, there's only one thing left to do, and that's worry about your sleep, hydration, and nutrition. Mm -hmm. And as we talk about all the time, I have the focus of an eight-week beagle puppy. So anything I can do to help myself be focused on what I need to do, because archery, dude, shooting a bow, there's like 
64 things in your mind mm -hmm. that you're trying to do all while judge yardage and aim the damn thing right and hold it steady as steady as you can so um i've as i've gotten older um i've noticed you know back in the day i used to see these guys carrying around chairs mm -hmm. when they were shooting archery and i'm like that's Close. I still think that when I see a picture of you guys carrying around, yeah. I'm like, why the hell are you carrying yeah. a chair? And and the reason behind that is, are we tough enough to walk all these mountains and shoot? Yes. But the guy who has a chair mm -hmm. has an advantage because he can now carry four bottles of water, some snacks, a towel, his scorecards, extra stuff for archery. And he can sit his ass down and rest after you just walked straight up that hill. Mm -hmm. And... It's amazing what a three-minute sit in a seat with a half a bottle of water and a beef stick yeah. will do for you. And a lot of people, I notice, too, while we're on the course, I mean, these are people that compete all the time, and they're not doing it. And it marvels me. It's kind of the definition of insanity. Mm -hmm. Do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Right. They're not eating. We're eating every second or third target. Mm -hmm. not, not a steak, but we're taking a <laughs> bite of something. And keeping that blood sugar up, I mean, that there's so much to be said for that. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. You know, they go out drinking on a Friday night and get up early Saturday morning and go sit in a tree. Well, let's talk about what's going to happen there. You're going to go out in your tree. You're going to be hungover. You're going to feel like shit. And you're going to close your eyes and you're going to go to sleep. Yeah, you might then, miss a deer. And you're not going to see that one tiny opportunity mm -hmm. that you had. And, you know, with archery... You have 40 opportunities every single time. With hunting, you might get an opportunity a season at that big deer. Exactly. It, you're you're going to get one encounter if you're lucky. If you're very, very lucky and do things right. Exactly. And so last year, I was fortunate enough to have what I would call three encounters, but I never had what I would call a shot opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, and these are deer, uh, 49 yards, 42 yards and 40 yards. They were all Jeez in that piece. 40 mark. And with a crossbow, every single one of those deer die. Right. But I shoot a compound and I feel stupid, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's just, you know, that's what I do. And, uh, that's just how it is. So if you don't make the most of those opportunities and I go back and I think like, well, what could I done? have done differently well the first deer on october 5th i couldn't have done anything no uh the next deer which the two encounters mm -hmm. the last two were the same deer um i you know the first one was it was dark and yep. i couldn't i couldn't make an ethical shot and then the next one he was 42 yards facing straight at me mm -hmm. with about a uh we'll call it a 65 to 70 degree angle so, uh, with a, with an expandable, so yeah. I, I can't, I can't take that shot. So I, I really never had an opportunity, but, um, when you have those encounters, you have to make the most of them. So, you know, I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but it's just talking about how you got to take care of yourself. Your body is number one. You can practice all you want and then go out and drink the night before or not get enough sleep mm -hmm. or not drink enough water. And you fucked it all up. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, the the buck that I shot last year on Thanksgiving morning. Um, that was Thanksgiving morning. It was Thanksgiving morning. Two. Um, yeah. Well, 
quick side note on that one. I the only reason I was in a tree stand that morning was because my small game hunt that I go on, I've been on every year since I was nine. Okay. So I'm third I'll be thir- Oh yeah. Yeah, got canceled because uh the guy who we go with got sick. So I asked my son, I'm like I'm still going out hunting the next morning. I'm like, you want me to go deer hunting or, or you want me to shoot squirrels? He goes, go, go deer hunting. And my deer hunting spot is literally across the road. But I have had, I had deer on camera, bucks that I've been wanting to shoot all year, like in and out. And I had not seen a decent, I had a little fork like coming on one night, but it was like right at dark. I'm like, I'm not going to burn my buck tag on something like that. I had shot a doe sure. a couple weeks earlier. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go over here and sit. And, Lucky enough, like the for those of you who don't know, the biggest bar night of the year is the night before Thanksgiving. Yeah, most bars make a ton of money that night because everyone's you know going to see family the next day and they can sleep in and all that kind of stuff. So in my younger days, I doubt that I would have gotten up and went, <laughs> um, especially with kids now. That's a big no no. Right. Um. You know, I can remember. Let's see, my kids four this year, so I can remember five years ago. A buddy of mine did a Friendsgiving every year the night before Thanksgiving, and it was at a steakhouse, and everyone get bombed. Oh. And I would always tell them, like, no, nah, I got to – I'm going hunting. And they're like, well, oh, no. I'm like, no. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm going hunting tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be handling a gun hungover. Right. Like, last thing that I want to do. Exactly. Or, or drive a car or anything. So uh, – but that deer uh, was the was one of the ones, like, top three that I wanted to get. And this property isn't huge, but it was one of those things where – had I been in a crappy position or that kind of stuff, I got up, chugged a huge thing of water, drank my coffee, then went to my stand, and literally two minutes after first light, that deer was standing in front of me at 20 Jeez. yards and just, you know, whatever broadhead I had on there right through the rib cage, and I heard him crash. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to you have to have those opportunities. But, Absolutely. you know, while we got off on hunting there for a little bit, it does bring up other things with archery. So... You mentioned crossbow. You know, you shoot a reg like a, a regular bow, compound bow. Compound bow. Um, do you have separate hunting and archery bows? Um, I used to, and then I had the opportunity to sell my hunting bow. If my hunting bow wouldn't have been the hunting bow that it was, mm-hmm. then I probably would have kept it. But I bought, um, I bought a bow. That was set at 83 pounds, Woo. and I was shooting like a 535 grain arrow. It was a telephone <laughs> pole, um, and it just, I might, you know, with the knowledge I have now versus then, I might be able to shoot it well, but I took some, like, bottom of the barrel, um, There, I hate to say that, say it like this, but uh, it's the worst arrow, I guess you'd say, that Black Eagle makes. It's mm-hmm. it's not a bad arrow. It's just not their top-of-the-line arrow, we'll yeah. call it. Uh, it was the Black Eagle Outlaw. I think it's like a zero zero five straightness. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing out here at 60 yards shooting a one-and-a-half-inch dot with a fixed head, like a good size. They're the... Uh, Oh, what are the dirt nap DRTs? They're yeah. like a 1.25 or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, cutting diameter. And I'm just smoking this dot, and I'm like, well, if I can do that with a 455 grain arrow, what the hell do I need that thing for? Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I, I wasn't even hardly able to keep it in the 10 ring. And of course, you know, 60 yards is that's a poke, especially for a lot of people that don't shoot a lot. 
Yeah. I've probably <laughs> shot 15,000 plus arrows already this year. Um, so, you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to go have a 60 yard pin. Please don't get that twisted. Um, you know, you should never, you don't should shoot never, farther yeah, than what you're comfortable shooting. You know, my rule that I go by and every, you know, I'm not the authority here, but my rule is I want to shoot five arrows and you don't have to shoot them all back to back. You can take a couple minute break in between them, but I want to shoot five arrows in a 10 ring, which is about five inches in diameter. And if I can keep all of my arrows in that, then I feel comfortable at that yardage. Okay. And, um, out to 70 yards, basically, I can pretty much do that without having any rough time. Every once Good in a while, you, man. you will. But the, the thing, you know, you go to like these parks and stuff and they'll tell you four out of five arrows in a 10 inch circle at 25. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a big ass circle. So, um, especially, you know, most of us hunt out of tree stands. A lot of times yeah. you don't have that 10 inch circle to aim at. So. But uh, so anywho, yeah, I, I had a, a different bow for a while and it was nice because mm -hmm. I could set that one up and keep the other set up for targets. And then I was like, man, I, I like this one. And then I killed my big buck in mm -hmm. 2018 with it. And I'm like, I'm selling that damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Like, I think that and, and just to be clear, you don't go buy out, go out every year and buy a new bow, correct? Correct. I, okay. I, I don't some, do that. Because some guys, you'll see this around, like, I got my new bow, and it's like, I got my new Matthews Halon 32, and it's like, great. Like, uh, what happened to the one you had last year? I sold it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Same guy next year. Oh, I got a brand new Verdict. Yeah. What happened to the Halon 30? I sold it. It's like, like it, it, that's cool. Like if you, if you're upgrading it every year, but it is not a necessity. Sure. Um, every year to go out and buy a new bow. And I know if you're if you're if your wives or partners are listening to this right now, and you have convinced us of this, I'm sorry uh, that they're, <laughs> they're hearing this right now. Um, I shoot a Matthews Outback that I I mean I don't they don't even make the Outback anymore. No. Um, they stopped making that. 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Oh, more, that's probably. like a 2003 bow. So. Oh, hell, I, I mean, what is it, 2020? Um, so 17 years ago. Yeah. Um, so and it works completely fine. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Matthews really changed the game with those solo cams. And mm -hmm. I'm finding more that I think it's easier uh, on your form. I don't think your form issues show up as much with those solo cams. I would say I would say that's absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, because these dual cambos, uh, you better not get out of yeah. line or they'll they'll rat you out basically. Uh -huh. So yes, um, I'll admit I'll, I'll admit my Matthew snobbery here. Um, <laughs> um, I, I but I, say I love it. It is funny that you mention that because you run into it all the time though with guys who always have the latest and greatest this, that, and the mm -hmm. other. And you know what? That's fine. Um, for me, I have zero talent. I have to work so hard at repetition, repetition, repetition. Mm -hmm. And anytime I get new equipment, it's just very difficult to get the feel for it and everything. And that might sound stupid to some people. See, it doesn't to me. And like this kind of leads into the stuff that I'm going to do in this the weekend is, you know, I when I get a new rod or a new reel, or, you know, new piece of kitchen equipment, like 
repetition is key with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if you take a brand new rod and reel out of a box, like I'm, I'm going to Cumberland this weekend and fishing for stripers. And I have rods and reels. I literally was looking at a brand new rod and reel that I have sitting downstairs in my basement. And I'm like, eh, I haven't used that one enough. I don't know what that's going to do. Right. I'm going to take these other rods and reels with me. Yep. And I know, like, I'm going to use these baits because I know that proven over the test of time, at least mm-hmm. for me. You can trust them. I, I can trust them. Um, they're oiled. They're well done. The line's good on them. Yeah. You know, I, you know, repetition over and over and over, not only with an activity, but also with equipment is essential if you're going to do something and you're going to be really really good at it on a consistent basis mm-hmm. um and, and that that's something that don't get me wrong like there are plenty of guys out there who will go by the like the newest kevin van dam thing <laughs> um and it, kevin van dam's best best tournament fisherman ever ever yeah H- hands down never never going to hear a qualm with me about that but i'm not going to go pay six hundred dollars for a Kevin Van Dam special reel when I know I can be as good fishing, at least for my take of what I like to do with something that I know has proven over the test of time for me. Like I, this is going to sound goofy to a lot of people. I use a Bass Pro Qualifier baitcaster. I've had these things for six years. I've never had an issue with them. I've never had one blow out on me. I've never had a piece break on them. My uh, family member of mine bought a brand new um, Abu Garcia Revo last year. Three times into it, handle broken. Mm. Now it might it might just be a mechanical issue or whatever, but if I know something works, and I get made fun of this by my by my wife and like friends all the time about this, it's like like what do you want? Well, what did I have last time? Like give me that. Give me, uh, give me that equipment. About, okay, I'm like I'm that way at the restaurants, man. My <laughs> wife gives me so much shit. I get the same thing everywhere I go, and like, well, you need to be adventurous. And I'm like, dude, I'm about to pay twenty or thirty dollars for a meal. What I want. I, I want. What, what if I, I like. lose? <laughs> then I just threw away thirty bucks. So, um, yeah, you you know, you bring that up, and um, I'll make a point here. It, it's you have a few types of people and and one of them are the people that want to use their equipment and they want to see how it performs Mm -hmm. and then they build their trust that way. Yeah. And then you have the other people who see it perform or see that somebody was nice enough to put their name on it because they were paid a bunch of money. Yeah. And that's how they trust it. And I mean, either way, I guess you're all right. But for me, I want to see. Uh, I'm I'm a Thomas the Doubter type. Yeah. I want to see it before you know. I don't care if it's Steve Winella or whoever you know, mm-hmm. some big name guys. But at the end of the day, when somebody writes you a check for X amount of money, well, you a lot of guys will put their name on just about anything. And I'm not yeah. saying it's going to be a bad, but it might not be for me. It, exactly. And with fishing rods, at least you can you can think of it this way as well. Remember, when someone puts their name on a rod or a reel, or just a rod in general, look to see who makes the blank, um, yeah. because it's, it's it's real simple. So there's a great story of uh, Gary Loomis, uh, the guy who the you know, original G Loomis uh, um, guy who made those rods before he sold the company. Okay, um, and he I forget the other company that he um, helped build up um, Lima Glass. 
um, was the other company. And he said before he started making his, I think he like got all of his blanks from Zebco. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Like, like Zebco, you know, we all had one when we were little, like Zebco 33 real Tried and rods. true, baby. Yeah. And I mean. That one's for you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he said, like, he said, use what you know works. Sure. And he goes, I knew that those rods worked. And when they stopped working or when they changed what I didn't like about them, I went somewhere and I had someone build me a rod that was exactly like that. And then I figured out how to make that consistency thing. And that goes into anything. Like when we were talking with Josh two weeks ago about brisket, you know, consistency is key with this kind of stuff. And you want to oh. make sure that your, that your equipment's not going to fail with it. So like when I'm, I'm fishing for stripers this weekend, the last thing, the absolute last thing I want to happen is for my line to snap, oh. my rod to break, my net to not like, you know, go through. There's a, there's a great story because we'll, we'll get to conservation here a little bit, but um, the second biggest cat, blue cat, has was caught in Tennessee two weeks ago, and guy caught it out of the Ohio River, Mississippi River. Sorry, out of <laughs> Mississippi. I was like, wow, impressive. Wrong, wrong river. Long um, cast. <laughs> out of out of the out of the Mississippi, and he it was 103 pounds. Jeez. Yeah. So Jeez. 103-pound blue cat, 25-year-old. The state record is like 114 pounds. So he wasn't even close. He, he was still a good ways off from the state record fish. He fights this thing for an hour, and he gets it in the net, and the net breaks. He is the only one there. So he is trying to wrestle a 103-pound catfish up onto shore from the shallows. Now – that is a once in a lifetime opportunity for something like that to happen. Yep. That is the last like that would make my butthole pucker so quick. Oh dude. Watching my like my fish of a lifetime like drop back into the water. Like you know, scared the living hell out of me if it's it, a if it dog happened. fight time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I guess what we're saying is just make sure your equipment's good and be consistent with this kind of stuff. Sure. And make sure that you like invest in what you know to be a good thing. And again, if you like something, you know, make sure it's working for you. So Absolutely, man. Yeah. So let's talk about uh some some good laws passed here. So yeah, um over the past week, this has been a long time coming for anybody who follows stuff um if you're a member of backcountry uh, hunters or anglers, uh, if you've read any of the articles on Meat Eater, if you follow any hunter essentially on Instagram or Fisherman or Outdoors Group, there was a, a house bill passed last year that was to fund the land and water conservation fund in like permanently. So fast forward to today is June 12th. I think it was introduced to the Senate um last or earlier this week and passed the great american outdoors act now what that means is that the land and water conservation fund gets funded every year and it's not tax money it is money that comes from offshore oil drilling um, ah. that these are subsidies that get paid back into the government that this is what it was created for this money cannot be touched anymore this is going into that fund 900 million dollars every year for projects all across the United States. 
That means if you want a bike trail built in a park. That means if you need upkeep on your wildlife areas. Um, Ohio got part of their funding for one of their uh, brand new wildlife management areas um, was brought in based off this uh, two years ago as part of the funding. So it's funded completely. But what it also did, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, write in if I'm wrong about this. I don't think that I am, though. This also takes care of a huge, huge backlog of stuff that needs to be done at national parks. So if you've, right. been, if you've been into a national park any time within probably the past 20 years, you will have noticed that, you know, certain things get let go. Trails are getting closed because they can't have time to keep up with it. Um, you're not able to do proper forest management because of some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's going to help out with that kind of stuff and help along with keeping these places that we like to go healthy upkeep and allow for a funding system for more outdoor spaces and things like that to be created and hopefully, you know, can be used by communities for appro like appropriate outdoor things. You know, e even if it's installing a playground or something like that, you know, you can request land and water conservation fund uh, for that kind of stuff. But the big, big part of this is, is that it can't be touched. And this has been a political football for God knows how long. And it's, you know, it's passed. So um, it's on to the president. You know, he, I mean, he could still not, he could still not sign it. I have a very hard time believing that a huge bipartisan piece of legislation going to him at this time when we really could use some nice things coming out of the news. Um, we won't get into Don't anything down, else. Yeah. Uh, you know, sign it. And, you know, out the outdoors are the one thing during this entire pandemic that we've been talking about almost every episode because we're in the middle of it still. Um, yeah. Maybe more on the downslip now. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yep. But it's the one thing that's been nice about being able to do. It. And it's warm now and you can get out and you can go and enjoy it. And they're opening back up national parks. They're opening back up trailheads. You're not sitting there having to wonder, am I going to be able to go outside today? Yeah, you can. Go outside and have fun. Right. So hopefully this stuff, you know, moves forward through and we, you know, we are greater for it. Could you imagine going through all this and not having hunting or fishing or? Miserable. Uh, that kind of answers some other questions. <laughs> Exactly. If you will. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, uh, you've got all these people that have been cooped up forever. Mm -hmm. We all know how babyish and pissed I was when my turkey seasons got taken away. Mm -hmm. Imagine people that don't ever have outdoors. I couldn't imagine a life without the outdoors. So. No, and and that uh, that's a huge thing is that we've you know we've all kind of you know we built this community it's great to be around and it's something that we all like to share that's why we've created a podcast to talk about it yep. you know we have all these different things and all these cool activities like you said you're going to shoot archery this weekend yep i'm going fishing on a lake that i love to go to um you're hopefully going to go like run into a mountain stream and catch <sighs> smallmouth <laughs> tug oh, your line um so the cool. entire time you know to Two very different activities, but both in the same vein of stuff. And, you know, guys, if you're out there and you're listening to this, get out and go outside right now. Like, go hike a trail that you've not hiked. You know, go do some of this stuff to help get yourself. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you can throw this on on your uh, mobile device and 
you know, slap your earbuds in and, and go, go hit a trail, man. And the thing is, you know, his brother, my best friend, uh, will taught me that if you walk at a decent pace with a small weight in your pack, you actually do yourself a lot more, um, a lot better service than you would if you were to run. Mm-hmm. So uh, get out there and get a sweat going, get your heart rate up, get the endorphins going. Uh, anybody that understands the runner's high, go go hike three or four miles. It'll only take an hour-ish. Yep. Go, go burn the calves up and, and quads and um, get ready. I mean... That, Deer season's right around de- the corner. Yeah, that's I uh, literally ripped the words out of my mouth. We're we're talking about, you know, we're gonna get through June, July, and August, and then here we are, September, and really even late August in some areas. You're in deer season, man. Go go out, get your heart rate up, and enjoy yourself. And if by any means anybody listening to this wants to get into archery or fishing or whatever, write us. Yeah, and we will help you. We're not going to give you our spots, <laughs> but we're not going to give you GPS. Coordinates. We will help you like you can't imagine. All we want to do is share our love for this thing. And we love there. There's nothing cooler. You know, we talk about this all the time. So I've killed a couple good deer and I've got buddies that have. But I'll bet you a nickel that they get just as crazy excited when they take a youth or a first time hunter out. Mm hmm. Because then, you know, all the inches and and pounds and all that, all that's gone now. And you just want to be successful. And you get to watch them basically uh, go through it the first time. And we're literally chasing that feeling for the rest of our careers. So, you know, we, we really live through people who are beginners. So uh, let us live through you. <laughs> Live vicariously through you. Yeah. I, I, well, it's, I, uh, I went down to my freezer, um, two days ago and I, uh, was trying to figure out like what to make for dinner. And one of the things that I looked in there and I saw, I was like, Oh, my deer meat's starting to get low. And I was like, well, you know what that means is that that means hunting season's right around the corner. Then I really started looking at it like, well, Kentucky's deer season comes in September 1st or like right at the beginning of September. So I'm only two to three months away from being able to go and do that and, you know, really be able to feed, you know, my family for an entire year. And I know that might be not everyone's forte. And we've talked about, you know, just being able to cook and that kind of stuff. That's kind of my wheelhouse. That's what I enjoy doing. And it's how I enjoy spending my time. But you know, that's a constant reminder. And I got like that great rush. I'm like, oh man, like I'm going to get to go deer hunting again real soon. <laughs> and it's, uh, it was such a cool feeling. And it was, you know, you get that every time that you do that, or at least I do. Hell so, yeah. So, uh, you got any plants out? I do. Um, what you got? Bean, uh, green beans, um, getting tall, tomatoes, getting tall, nice. uh, jalapenos and habaneros, Brussels sprouts strawberries already pulled off the first little batch of them and then uh zucchinis and cucumbers nice yeah so garden is going well you deal uh oh let's see if i can rip this out of my dusty brain here i have six rows of green beans being by the little bunnies in my backyard i hate rabbits for anybody listening um 
they it basically looks like you went through a third of my green beans and Ugh. cut them off with scissors. So I'm going to have to call a G-dub or something and <laughs> see if I can get some kind of permission to do something because I'm about at my wit's end. So we've got six rows of green beans. I've got two rows of onions. Two They're sweet onions, by the mm-hmm. way. I have two rows of peppers, including, uh, let's see, we've got cayenne. We've got... Uh, Serrano, which are my favorite pepper, favorite hot pepper. Favorite hot pepper, yeah. Um, I've got jalapenos. I've got green bells, red bells, and orange bells. Nice. And then I have five rows of corn and then five hills of zucchini, two hills of cucumbers. Mm -hmm. And then I have four rows. I have 30 tomato plants, uh, (laughs) romas, big boys, Uh better boys. Uh, some of the grape and cherry tomatoes, uh-huh. and then a couple of plants that I just had never heard of. So I was like, yeah, let's Might see as well. what you're like. Nice. So doing, doing pretty good. Um, this is my second plant. Uh, I planted my garden early. before. I planted it early. In the, oh, that frost the, rolled the through. The frost on, on, on the weekend that we're guaranteed to not have frost. <laughs> I got destroyed by the frost. So It happens, man. It happens. So. It's rough. Well, um, better wrap this up. We're almost at an hour. That was, this one went quick. Yeah. Well, so. it's it's fun talking about this stuff, and this time we didn't bullshit beforehand and <laughs> waste all of our good content. Um, so, you know, just to kind of catch you guys up to date, um, I'm still working at getting some stuff edited, but last weekend was a what I would call a fairly successful trip to the Smoky Mountains. Um I had a family vacation planned down there, and I talked to my buddy Will and asked him if he would like to go fishing, and once he said yes, I said, awesome, that means I don't have to catch a fish, I can just (laughs) point and shoot, so uh, I took my cell phone and GoPro down there and spent a couple days literally just filming him do his thing, and for those that don't know him, he is a very, very good fly fisherman, and he was able to figure out the fish. We stopped in to a little shop called the Smoky Mountain Angler and talked to a guy by the name of Chad Fouts, really cool guy. He's a guide down there. And we we basically just said, hey, we're down here. Uh, you know, We have basically a evening and then a morning mm-hmm. to film, and then we'll – could go off on his own and do whatever but at that point yeah i gotta go hang out with the fam which you know i wanted to anyways um he kind of pointed us in a direction and we went from there and basically you know once he said a certain spot Mm -hmm. we saw elevation and then went up we said let's go up where most people don't go and we got into some gorgeous gorgeous brook trout absolutely beautiful plunge pools and uh so we we got some good film that day and then the next morning we went down to a larger stream where people are everywhere yeah and he got bit a couple times and then caught some creek chubs (laughs) and uh (laughs) it was just it was rough i mean it just we had people floating by us on freaking kayaks and and tubes and all that and we're like 
damn, man, come on. So I actually went, we went back and parted ways. I went hiking, which I was, God, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hiked to Grotto Falls, which was gorgeous. Uh, some of that will be in our B-roll of this episode. but And then we ended up doing Cade's Cove. But while we were out, Will texted me. And he had busted a few more trout, some better fish, actually, some oh, rainbows, nice. and uh, gotten some decent footage there too. So it was really cool. And 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 the, you know, the number one rule was get the hell away from people. Yep. He got away from people, and then oh, hey, look, all the fish come out. Yeah, look at all the fish. <laughs> so uh, it was really neat to watch him do his thing. Honestly, it's so cool to watch somebody just pick apart, you know, a, yeah. an ecosystem basically, and. Uh, you know, learn it and figure it out in that amount of time. It was nothing short of impressive. So it was really fun. Good deal. Good deal. So, I mean, fun trip. I've got a couple trips coming up here soon. Hopefully um, I'll have just as much luck, but um, concluded. Yeah. uh, If you're down in the Smoky Mountain area, stop into the Smoky Mountain Angler for advice and gear. And then, Anybody who needs a tip on where to go to see black bears, because I was that guy once, go to Cade's Cove mid-morning. Everybody wants to go really early or late. Go mid-morning. Get up there early and make two circles around its 11-mile loop one way through the national park. And uh, mid-June's your best time, because that's when all the blackberries are on. Yep. And last time we saw five black bears. We didn't see a single one on the first go around mm-hmm. when it was cool out. It starts to get hotter, and I'm like, we don't have a really good shot, but my sister-in-law's not seen a black bear east of the Mississippi, and every time we come here with her, we don't see bears, so we yeah. got to break this curse. So I thought, guys, let's go through one more time, but we'll go fast and look for bear jams. Bear jams are where people see a bear, and there's 40 cars <laughs> stacked. So uh, sure as shit. We go around and, you know, zero bears. And then all of a sudden, boom, bear, boom, uh, they spotted a bear. And then we saw a really sizable mama with three very sizable cubs. And that was really cool. And then I I picked one out um, standing up in the middle of a really tall, grassy field. And then, uh, I mean, I seen him for two or three seconds. And then Mm -hmm. he went back down. He never popped back up again. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that's kind of a tip for all you that, that like to vacation down there. Go up to Cade's Cove and check it out and maybe throw some money in the donation box and enjoy, you know, the, the scenery and, and the outdoors. And, uh, you know, as as uh, any Cates will say, I'm probably stealing this from Rick right <laughs> now, but get out there and take a first-timer or a, a youth fishing or hunting or, um, you know, teach them how to shoot a bow as good as you can and, you, you never know, man. You might foster something really cool. Took the words out of my mouth. If you are going out at all soon, you know, take a youth, take a first-time hunter, take a first-time fisherman, take a first-time anything out there, and get them out and get them looking. Um, we are getting close to summer, so a couple things that I always like to tell people. We're it, in summer. It, it, we're, we're, yeah, we're in summer. <laughs> um, summer. PFDs, wear yes. your life jackets God, if yes. you are on the water good good, um, good lake i'm going to right now had two people die last week because they jumped in the water and didn't come back up so p 
PFDs. They're a must in your boats, kayaks, canoes by any DNR that you um, go ha- has a law law for it. Um, also, important thing, you know, you bring up uh, mama bears with cubs. This is also fawning season. If you see a baby deer, do not touch it. <laughs> Let it be. Admire oh. it from a admire it from afar. Um, this guy comes up with good shit. You man. know th- this this is a this is a great time of year for wildlife, and I love seeing people get out. But there's a lot of first timers, and again, this is a teachable moment for a lot of people. If this stuff happens, just mention it. like, "Hey, we don't touch that," or "Hey, yep. we don't go near the mama bear with their cubs." Um, <laughs> you know, you'll learn that. You'll you'll learn that <laughs> real quick. Um, sows don't like uh, when you're near their cubs. Oh yeah. So. Anything with that kind of stuff, guys, just be aware. If you're getting out on the rivers to canoe or kayak, be safe, be smart, and uh, take your time and enjoy the outdoors. So with that, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert, and uh, we're signing off, guys. See you next time. See you. Bye. podcast today please remember to subscribe like review on all major podcasting platforms we are available on apple google TuneIn, Castbox, spotify and all other major podcasting platforms as always we are available for contact at the elite outdoors one at gmail.com that is the elite outdoors the number one at gmail.com thanks a lot guys talk to you next time Thank you.